Well, if you're visiting us for the first time this morning or if you were away last week, we've begun a, a, just a mini-series, three uh, teachings that we're calling Impact. Impact. And uh, t- today is the second of that. And we're, we're focusing on this, on this issue, um, or this uh, topic rather, uh, in conjunction with a campaign that we have on the go right now for some exciting things we're planning for the future, as well as we'll see this morning, just ministry in general and some of the things that we believe God is calling us to as a church family to make that to make that greater impact. Um, we mentioned last week, I don't know if you remember, but um, that we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tonight could be the final game. Game six, it could end or it could go on a few more days. And, uh, but pretty soon, one team is going to be crowned the Stanley Cup champions for the 2017 season. And then, on June 23rd, I think it is, there is the NHL entry draft in which uh, every team in the league will vie to try to find that impact player that they can get onto their team and help them to hopefully win or get closer to win uh, the Stanley Cup next year. But I want to make a prediction, even though I don't know who's going to be drafted, I don't know who's going to be traded over the summer season, I want to make a prediction uh, about the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. And that is that when it happens, about six months later, nobody's going to give a rip. Nobody's going to care who wins. Uh, It's great sport. I love the entertainment. I love playing sports myself. But at the end of the day, it's not really important. You know what's really important? This is. What's happening here, what's happening in the body of Christ through the city, what's happening in our city through the body of Christ, and what God is doing among his people, that's really what happens. You see, I love playing sport, grew up playing sports, but my greatest fulfillment in life today is being what you might call an assistant captain on a team that's been playing together for 2,000 years. And you realize that every win that we have is going to be celebrated forever. It's not going to fade in six months. It's not going to be forgotten a year later. Everything the Scripture says is recorded by the Lord in heaven because everything we do, everything we give ourselves to has eternal consequences. We are immortal beings. We will live forever. And the Scripture says that we will carry our rewards with us. We will carry everything that we, that we do by the Spirit of God, that we invest in obedience to the Spirit of God, we will carry that with us. And this morning what I really want to do is I want to draft you onto the team. I really want us to get a sense this morning of what it means to actually make a difference. Because here's something I want you to know. Our head coach, Jesus Christ, and our team president, God the Father, and our manager, the Holy Spirit, they believe in you. They believe in you. And if you will get in the game, I promise you, you will not be sitting on the bench. He will not leave you there with nothing to do. If you will get into the game, if you will get on the team, he will use what he has placed within you to be somebody who really makes an impact. It may not always be, as we saw this morning on the stage, in the limelight. It might be behind the scenes, but you will be part of touching lives for eternity. Now, last week we talked about the fact that there are three fundamental things, foundational things that are necessary if we are going to be a person of impact or a church of impact. And those three things are, we need to believe, we need to belong, and we need to bless. We'll talk about bless the week after next. You don't want to miss next week's service, but we'll continue on the week after that. Now, if you weren't here, I really, and I don't do this often, in fact, I don't know if I've ever done this, but if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to go online and listen to the message. It really is foundational. It's very important. Or you can, you can download our app and you can listen on podcast. Uh, the advantage of that, of course, is you can fast forward it. You can turn it off anytime you like. Or if you can't get to sleep, just turn it on. You'll be out in five minutes. There's a couple of you already. 
but what we said in essence, and, and again, I really encourage you to listen to that, but what we said in essence is that uh, to be a person of impact is a person who believes foundationally two things. Number one, we believe that there is a God who created everything. Everything we have, everything we enjoy has been given to us by God. The scripture says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who doesn't change his mind, who doesn't shift, doesn't surprise us. He's constant. So everything comes from God. The second thing we believe is that there is a Jesus who died for everyone. And if we really believe that Jesus died for everyone, then we have to believe that there is a message that we must tell. I hope, Deborah, I'm not putting you on the spot, but Vanessa was sharing some of the highlights yesterday. She said she had a conversation, I think it was Deborah or one of the ladies, maybe it was Deborah, but, but one of the things she said, she just, she, it was kind of funny, actually. We were out working on the church grounds, about 15 of us. We were out there on the church grounds working all day, and I had to come into the gym where the Holy Spirit weekend was happening, come into the gym to get some buckets in the back room, and as I came in, uh, there were others the Holy Spirit was working on the ground. <laughs> they were kind of laid out on the ground. And uh, the Holy Spirit was working on them, some beautiful ministry going on. But I think one of the things that Deborah said to Vanessa, and you can nod your head if it's true, is that uh, everybody has to know about this. Isn't that a wonderful, a wonderful statement? Like just to, be, just to experience the presence of the Lord so real to say, everybody's got to know about this. We know sometimes for those of us who've known the Lord for a long time, we kind of forget. Hey, everybody needs to know about this. You don't get to keep this for yourself. This is not meant to be a secret. This is not meant to be something that you hold on to. If we really believe, that has to be our passion too. And so if you really believe that Jesus died for everyone, then we know there's a message that we have to tell, we have to get out there. In 2 Corinthians, Paul put it this way. Christ died for all so that those who live would not continue to live for themselves. He died for them and was raised from the dead so that they would live for him. And I want to ask you this morning, does that describe your life? Does that describe how you understand what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, a child of God? That you are no longer living for yourself, but you are living for Him. Because that is where it begins. It begins with what you believe. And the second part has to do with belonging. And to belong is to understand that the degree to which we collectively use the gifts and resources God has given to us to that same degree or same scale, we are able to have an impact in the community God has called us to reach. The Bible is very clear that the kingdom of God is not an individual sport. The kingdom of God is a team sport. You really don't make the greatest impact by what you do by yourself. It begins there. It begins with what you believe. It begins with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but then it broadens exponentially when you realize that you have been adopted into a family, not a church organization. You have been adopted into the family of God, and that family has a purpose. That family has a mission. It has a calling, and like any family, you do so much more together than if you're just a loner. That's true of us as a congregation, the Glad Tidings family, and oh, only God knows how true that is of our city. Can you imagine, I don't want to get on a rant here, but can you imagine the impact for the kingdom of God if churches would just come together, would just, you know, a couple times a year just plan strategically some, some outreach, carve some money in their budgets, have a few things to say, hey, you know what, we are going to blitz. We are going to touch our city for Jesus. We're going to show our city what it really means to be one. That's still a dream for me. 
I know there's a few pastors in town that have that same passion. Pray about that. Maybe that's something we'll see one day soon. But just imagine the impact we can have as churches, and the same is true here in the local body. Acts chapter 2, we read that all the believers continued together in close fellowship and shared their belongings with one another. They would sell their property and possessions. That should be actually chapter 4. And distribute the money among all according to what each one needed, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And every day the Lord added to the group those who were being saved. There was an impact in the city because the people in the churches belonged together. They understood that they belonged. And they literally, if you study church history, they literally revolutionized their culture. They changed the world in which they lived. The Bible tells us there are two reasons why we can do more together than we can by ourselves. The first is because of the incredibly unique contribution that each of us can make. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, there are different kinds of gifts, but they are all from the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but the same Lord to serve. There are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in, say the word, all of us. God works in all of us, in everything we do. Something from the Spirit can be seen in what? In each person. I can see something from the Spirit in every single one of you, and hopefully you can in me too, and it's for the common good. Now, the truth is that God has made each of us uniquely different, but here's where kingdom impact happens. It happens, first of all, when we welcome the diversity. One of the things you'll notice in our culture, you see it very much in American media, you see it uh, happening in Canada as well. What we see happening today very much is there's just this melding together. Our culture, the spirit of our culture, wants everybody to look the same, think the same, you know, have the same views, opinions, whatever the case may be, just kind of strip away that individuality and make you just one empty mass who just kind of toes the party line. If you stand out, you're a bit different. A lot of times you'll get flack. But in the kingdom of God, it's not that way. God understands for the body of Christ to have impact, we need to welcome and recognize the differences, and then we need to walk in unity. That's really where the dynamic of the kingdom is manifest or seen among people in our culture, is to see a body of people who come together, whether it's a dozen or hundreds or thousands, and yet they're so different from all walks of life, and they get along. And they have different gifts and abilities, but yet they have a common passion. And there's incredible things in the love that they have that is a wonderful uh, demonstration of God's reality in their midst. But here's what the devil will do. The devil will try to bait us into the comparison trap. You ever experienced that? I mean, he will either try to distract you by always getting you to compare yourself to somebody else who you're not like, you don't look like, have the same gifts, whatever the case may be, he'll either distract you or he'll try to discourage you to believe that you're not good enough. But here's where real impact comes. Impact comes when you as an individual recognize the difference that you make or the, the differences that you have and you depend on God to use those differences. You depend on God to use your uniqueness. You celebrate that. You thank the Lord for that, and you rely on Him. You don't try to be like somebody else. i got to tell you, friends, you're not exempt to this. Pastors are under that same pressure all the time. 
We know that we're saturated through media with every kind of sample of of church and service and everything else, and there can be this pressure to be like that person, to have a service like that person, to whatever the case may be, rather than just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't always have it all together. There's areas I can see in my life where I, I need to grow, but Lord, I just thank you in the integrity of my heart that you've made me me. And I just pray that in the foolishness of me, I pray in the weakness of me, that you would show yourself strong, that you would show yourself wise. I pray like John said, Lord, that I would decrease, that you might increase. I pray that you'll take all the the fallibility that I am, all the warts and everything else, not that I'm living sloppy on purpose. I want to live in integrity, and I want to walk with the Lord. But Lord, I offer you all that I am with all my bumps and bruises. And I pray that you would work through me that people might see that it's not me. It's not the polish. It's not the the sleekness. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the reality of God in me that you're doing some wonderful things. Behind the scenes, in front, it doesn't matter. But Lord, I want to depend on you to finish the good work that you began in me. That's what Paul says in verse 7. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. We've talked about this in the past. But I want you to think about this. God has created all of us with different personalities. Now, there's four fundamental, they say, types of personalities, but we have different personalities. Some of us are extroverts, okay? We just actually believe that people want to hear what we have to say. You know, we just feel like you're not going to have a good day if you go through without hearing our opinion. And so we're just willing to put it out there. And then, of course, there are introverts. But you know what? That's part of God's plan. God has given you a personality that's probably different from the person sitting beside you, especially if it's your spouse. God has also given us different interests. There are some things that, you know, we just naturally enjoy doing. There's other things that we look at and say, man, how could anybody do that? You know, like my father-in-law is big on hunting. He just likes to kill things. It doesn't matter if he shoots them, hits them with the car. It doesn't, he'll stuff it, throw it by the fireplace. He's just, he's just an avid hunter, you know, and he cannot understand for the life of him how in the world I can enjoy going out and hitting a golf ball around. I don't do it very often, once every couple of years, but, but, you know, I find some leisure in that. But I just, I just, I don't bend that way. I don't have interest in that necessarily. And, of course, somebody else may not be interested in things that I am. God has given us different interests. He's also given us some different natural abilities. There's just things that you automatically do well. You just love to do it. It's just a, a, a knack that you have. It's something God has given you. And then, of course, on top of that, we also have different spiritual gifts. We have different spiritual enablements where it's able to kind of transcend the natural order of things, and the Lord is able to minister things by His Holy Spirit through us. Now, when you add up all the different lists that are mentioned in the Bible, you'll find essentially four lists. One's in 1 Corinthians 12, one in Romans chapter 12, one in Ephesians chapter 4, one in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you look at all those different lists, you'll notice there's about 23 different kinds of interests or personalities or spiritual endowments. And what's interesting to me is that none of those lists are the same. What's more, I don't believe any of those lists are meant to be exhaustive. I believe there's many more things beyond that that aren't even mentioned that God can give or use through us. But I want you to think about this. You have your own personality. You have your own interests. You have your own natural talents. And then you have your own unique gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you. That's quite a combination. That's quite a mix of different things that the Lord has placed into you or grown in you through life experience that you have to give 
in any, any particular setting. It could be in the church. It could be, as we mentioned, with Doreen in different areas of the community, whatever. But you have this incredible potential in you through a variety of things that God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit have had a part to play in making you, you. And what that means to me is that even though you may be comfortable in certain settings, that's wonderful, it doesn't mean you're confined to that especially when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You are able to be used in any way, at any place, at any time, if you just make your, yourself available to the Lord. He is able to use you. But he has given all of us this combination of gifts. And then on top of those gifts, again, we all have unique experiences. We have all learned different things from life's journey. We've all been shaped in different ways through our life's journey, whether good or bad. And the beautiful thing is God is able to take your life experience, combine it with your personality, combine it with your natural abilities and interests, combine it with your spiritual gifts, and he is able to touch people around you that nobody else could touch. He's able to bring people across your path that you can relate to because of what you have gone through good or bad, or because of your personality, or because of your interest, whatever it may be. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? All those things God has given to you, there's someone that you can minister to. There's something that you can do. There's some way that you can experience God using you and flowing through you. Now, we are told that we, have, that we all have different fingerprints. I don't know if it's ever been proven how you do that. It's kind of like they say every snowflake is different. I just want to meet the person who studied billions and billions of snowflakes. But in any case, they say that all your, finger, your fingerprints are all different. Just look at your fingerprints for a moment. I actually cut my finger the other day on jamming Carolyn's paper machine there. Oh, sorry. Did I say that loud? Um, are you looking? Okay, come on. I know it's corny, but look. Okay? We all have different fingerprints, we're told. I really believe that our fingerprints, as simple as they may be, I believe they're a tangible way that God puts a reminder in front of us to say, look, you're different. I want to remind you, you're different from other people. I want to remind you, you don't have to be like that person. I didn't make you like that person, right? I want to remind you, your spouse doesn't have to be like you. That's why you married them. Because when they become like you is when you divorce them. That's not why you married them. That's not why you want to have them in your life. You wanted somebody different, somebody that brought some strength to your weakness and vice versa. So we all have different fingerprints. They're a tangible uh, sign that we are different. Jesus also this, said this in Mark chapter 1. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your hearts and lives and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Whenever I read that, I'm just, I just picture my hands right here and the Lord saying, that's how close the kingdom is. Look at your hands. The kingdom is at hand. It's right here. It's right here. And I'm waiting for my kingdom to be released through you. And the way that my kingdom is released through my people is when you understand how unique you are. And you understand the gifts I have given to you that I want to use through you. Every one of us are unique here this morning. And friends, God has placed you in this church at this time because he has a role for you that is unique to you. I mean, just think for a moment of the number of people even here this morning. Take those four or five different components that make all of us who we are 
and just kind of multiply all the possible combinations. You've probably got hundreds of thousands of possible combinations between people, personalities, abilities, gifts, all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine collectively the impact the body of Christ can have just within this church? Collectively, if, if the light just goes on and we believe who God has made us, we really believe in our uniqueness, we really believe in the Word of God who said He's made us the way that we are and He has the ministry for all of us. Can you imagine what can be done just in this room? But here's the problem. The problem is that not everybody's in the game. That's the problem. They're not in the game. And one of the reasons I believe is because some of you have depreciated your gift because you believe the devil's lies. You have undervalued your gift. I know there's some people here this morning who say, well, Pastor, you know, it doesn't really matter if I show up on Sunday or not. I don't think it really matters. It doesn't matter if I get involved or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if I support financially or not. You know, what difference can I make? Or it doesn't matter if I, you know, minister or not when I come. If I just come and sit and take in the service and go, you know, it's not going to make a difference whether I do something or not. Minister, reach out to somebody, obey the Lord if he says, shake that hand or give that person a hug or have a conversation. It doesn't matter. I want to say this morning, friends, it does. It really does. I can tell you just from, you know, we're on vacation, we'll visit churches, and, and there's been some churches that I just walk in and walk out, nobody says boo. Nobody says boo. Uh, hard to believe. I walked in this one church, and, you know, there's probably four or 500 people in the church, long, long, long foyer, uh, the doors for the sanctuary, you know, long aisle down, all the way in, all the way down, all the way back. Ushers everywhere, whatever, not a handshake, not a boo, not a hi. <laughs> And I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I was okay with that. Hey, I don't, I don't know how this works. I'm, I'll find a seat, no problem. But I was thinking if I, if I was new to the church or somebody the Lord just kind of brought off the street, you know, uh, never been in church before. But in any case, it matters. It matters what we do. Uh, we had the spring cleaning day yesterday. We had about an acre and a half, two acres with the BMX track and, the, and all the grounds and everything else. And we had people out here that were, uh, you know, raking and shoveling and picking and building the track and doing the mulch and doing the weed and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? With all the stuff we had to do, we had to have somebody who could drive a skid steer. Thankfully, we had somebody to do that. We had to have some people who were a little bit stronger, could break through the ground and shovel the ground. We had to have some people who didn't mind working on the gardens and weeding and, and then putting the mulch on and some of the light work and sweeping the basketball courts, all that kind of stuff. Let me ask you this. When we were out back, do you think it mattered whether or not anybody showed up? When the first two or three of us showed up, do you think we cared whether or not anybody else came? Yeah, you want to believe it mattered. Now, we still only had about 12 or 15 through the day. And, uh, and they, 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 they knocked it out of the park. They did some great work. We also had probably another six or eight that were involved in the Holy Spirit weekend. So there, there were a good number of people involved. But friends, I want to tell you, when you're doing the work, it makes a difference whether or not somebody shows up. I'm glad I didn't have to go home. Remember I told you last week? I said, nobody shows up, I'm going home. And I got to tell you, when I showed up on a beautiful Saturday morning, I was kind of hoping nobody would show up because I wanted to go home. I wanted to go enjoy my day. I just wanted to go and have some, I had lots of things I could do, but then people started showing up and it, it ruined my day. But the point is, the point is I want us to understand this morning, friends, that what you do matters. In fact, you know what really blessed my heart? JP, I'm going to pick you out of the crowd. God bless you. JP comes down here for two weeks every year. Got a cottage, gets it fixed up, and they rent it out a little bit, spend some vacation time there. And I thought, here's a dear brother from Ontario. 
from Ontario. You know what people in Ontario are like, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's actually from Finland originally, but living in Ontario. But I thought, here's a brother who's just happening here for just two weeks, doing some work, and he shows up. It's not even his home church. I mean, it's like home, right, JP? And I know I'm, I know I'm embarrassing him, but I just, I just want to make a point. But friends, it matters. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians. If each part of the body were the same part, there would be, there would be uh, no body. But truly, God put all the parts, each of them, in the body as he wanted them. Then it goes on to say in verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. So many times we undervalue the gifts that God has given to us. No matter how big they are, how small they may be. But friends, we all have something to give. And you know what? Even if we don't feel like we're talented or especially gifted, there's one thing we can all give. We can give our time. That's what we said at the volunteer appreciation dinner. What I'm most thankful for is your time. Time is something you don't get back. And when people minister, they are giving their time. That's where it begins, and it can make all the difference in the world. So one of the traps we fall into is just believing that we don't really matter. We're not going to make that much of a difference, much of an impact. A second thing I think that we, a trap we fall into is what is called the analysis paralysis. We're just waiting for the perfect gift to come, the perfect ministry to come. You ever feel that way? Well, I want to get involved. I got to just find just the right thing, and it has to just fit perfectly into, you know, and it hasn't come yet, and so I'm just kind of waiting, and when the perfect ministry, you know, comes, and I'm going to get involved. And some people have been thinking that way for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You know, I'm just waiting for the perfect ministry. How about just perfect enough? Would that be okay? I mean, how about just do something? We'll find something for you to do. There's a whole lot that needs to be done. But I have found in the body of Christ, and I've been in the church for many years, even before I was a pastor, that the reality is that one of the ways we find out what we're gifting in, gifted in is we just get involved and start serving somewhere. And a great way to start serving, you know what, is just to find a need and meet it. That's all you got to do. It's not rocket science. You hear there's a need? Hey, I can do that. You know, I, I hope, Patsy, I hope you got room. I hope a couple hundred volunteers show up for the yard sale through the week and on Friday and Saturday getting ready. I hope you just show up. I hope you just come and say, hey, I'm stunned, I'm stupid, I'm, you know, I'm uncoordinated. Whatever you want to do to dump on yourself, go ahead. But you know what? I'm here. And I got time. You know, I can mop, I can lift, I can clean. Whatever the case may be, there's something you can do, however ungifted you may think that you are. Patsy will put you to work and you'll get to share in the blessing of just seeing the body of Christ come together and, and have a great week. I'll tell you right now, there's certain gifts I don't have. I don't have the gift of taking out the garbage. Any man got that gift? I don't have the gift of mowing the lawn. I don't have the gift of tied up the house once in a while. I don't have the gifts. But you know what? Why do I do it? It just needs to be done. Somebody's got to do it. I won't say. I'll say. Isn't it funny, parents, how your kids are blind? Isn't it funny how you can walk downstairs for three days and the same plate and cup is sitting there on the table? Three days, four days, and the person's there every day. Not in my home. I would never pick on Alex and say that. I would never say that. But the point is, you know, that's part of being a family, isn't it? 
I mean, part of maturity, and I'm not saying my son, I shouldn't have said this now, because I'm not saying he's immature, but part of maturity is being able to look around and say, oh, that needs to be done. That needs to be done. I'll do that. You know, uh, you get to a certain age, oh, the grass is six inches. Well, I got a few hours free, I'm going to grab the lawnmower. That, that's part of what it means to be growing in maturity in your home. You just see a job, and you can do it, and you go ahead and do it. And the same thing in the body of Christ. You don't have to over-spiritualize it. You just have to be willing to minister, to do something that needs to be done when you see a need. In fact, I believe one of the purposes of even coming to church, one of the purposes is to confirm the gifts that people have as we see them step out in obedience and minister. And to minister, all that means, it just means to give out what you have. I've used the illustration before. If you walk along the street, somebody has a heart attack, and you know first aid, what do you do? The first thing you do is you administer first aid. You take what you have, and you just apply it to the need. That's all ministry is. And a third trap that I see in the church is that people don't serve and people don't give because they don't have margin. We talked about margin a couple of months ago. People don't make room in their life for the Holy Spirit to work. Friends, hear me. I don't know how else to say it, but it's just something the Lord's been impressed in my heart so much these last couple of months, and I just see it time and time and time and time again. The devil will come to you wherever there's a vacuum in your life. Either you don't feel fulfilled, you don't feel significant, or you've got some free time, or you've got some extra money in the bank, whatever the case may be, the devil will always come to you and offer you some way to consume that. Do this, take this, take this. And you know what he'll do? God has given us a mission. Our mission has to do with everything we have, everything we are is at the exposal of the Lord to make impact for his kingdom, to bless people around us, to minister. Is there, not a great, is there really no greater joy than to be used by God to meet someone's need? I mean, there's not a greater high than that. I mean, I don't care what special you see at the store, what dress, what suit, uh, what gadget you can buy for only $40 a week. You know, it used to be monthly payments, now it's weekly payments. I found that I could buy a brand new truck for 100 bucks until I found out it was 100 bucks a week. Or 150 bucks, whatever it was. And, and trucks are great. But the point being is that the enemy is always there to try to snatch up every last cent you have, every little bit of time you have, some new adventure, some new novelty, some new purchase, whatever the case may be. And what he does, because he wants to distract you from your true mission, is he offers you a shadow mission. He offers you something that looks close to the mission, but it's not the mission. And it will keep you off the mission. And it will consume what you have and what you are that could otherwise be used for that which you can take with you and can celebrate forever. And so one of the problems is, is we don't have margin oftentimes. There was a study that was done at Princeton University a number of years ago. They took two classes of seminary students. They told the first class, and well, they told both classes, we want to prepare a devotion or a mini-sermon on the story of the Good Samaritan. For those who may not be familiar, the Good Samaritan is a story Jesus told about a man who was traveling along the road. He got jumped, he got mugged, he left on the side of the road for dead. And all these different people passed by him until finally a simple man, a Samaritan, stopped by and helped him and then uh, made sure he was taken care of. The story of the Good Samaritan. The man was from Samaria. So the professors told these two classes, I want to prepare a sermon, a mini-sermon, on the story of the Good Samaritan. Then when you're done, I want you to walk across campus Go to the media room, and I want you to record your sermon. Now, to the first class, he said, we're running behind time. You've got to get there fast. Okay, so I'm going to let you go. Get over there. A few hours later, the second class was there. He said, hey, we've got lots of time. Take your time. We'll see you over there in the media room. 
In both instances, they planted a student in distress along the road between the sermon preparation and the media room to see what the students would do. And what do you think happened? For those students in that class who thought that they were hurried for time and had to get there, only 10% stopped to actually apply the sermon they prepared. Of those who felt they had time, because the prof said, hey, we're good for time, take your time, 60% stopped to help the person uh, who was in need. Now, please understand, one group was not more spiritual than the other. One group was not more compassionate than the other. The only difference was margin. And friends, the reality is that some of us, we have so scheduled our lives and we have so structured our finances that we are spending much more than we need to. And so when God comes to us by the Holy Spirit and speaks to us about being generous with our time and being generous with our finances, all that he has given to us, we say no. We say no because we don't have any time, Lord. Lord, I, I don't have any free cash, Lord. I, I, can't, I can't do that. And yet the Lord has uniquely gifted every one of us. And if we will value that uniqueness, and if we will leave margin in our life to actually do something, it will make a real difference. You know, Glad Tidings Church isn't a whole lot different than a lot of churches in our city or a lot of uh, organizations in our city that, that rely upon workers or volunteers or ministry workers to actually do the work of the ministry. The word volunteer actually means this. It means of one's free will. It's an old military term from a few hundred years ago when people weren't drafted, weren't necessarily drafted, but they served of their own free will. During the Mexican War, for example, uh, in the state of Tennessee, they were calling for 2,800 volunteers, and they actually got 30,000 men showed up for battle because they had a sense of mission and, and urgency and, and the need that was at hand. And so a volunteer means someone who serves of their own free will. But you've probably heard this uh, percentage before, but it still stands true. Whether in a church, whether any kind of charitable organization, it's called the 80-20 rule, the 80-20 principle. What that means is that 80% of the people in a given organization enjoy the benefits and the work and the giving of the other 20%. It's essentially a core of 20% who really do the work who do the giving, who make the sacrifice, who are there, and the other 80% enjoy the benefits of that. Here, for example, are just a few things that we know. I, I just thought I'd throw this out to you. And this isn't unique to Glad Tidings, but I thought I'd throw this out to you. Here in Glad Tidings, if we remove the children, I'm just being a little pastoral here right now, okay? If we take the children out of the equation, here at Glad Tidings, there's about 60% of our congregation who are not involved in anything. Think about that. A lot of good stories you hear and testimonies and life change and so on. About 60% of our congregation doesn't do anything. Is that the nice way to say it? It's not involved presently. How does that sound? Now let's just say that 10% of our congregation is doing some stuff outside like we shared, like Doreen does. Um, that still leaves you with 50% of our church family that aren't even in the game. And, and today, I really want to, as I said earlier, I want to draft you onto a team and encourage you to get involved in some ways, and there's many ways to do that, but to get involved in some ways where you can actually be on the inside and experience some of the stories that you're hearing. And we don't even tell half the stories. So you don't just hear it here on a Sunday morning. You can actually come home from an event and say, you won't believe what happened. 
You won't believe what God did. You won't believe the life that was touched. You won't believe the person that came to the Lord, whatever the case may be. You can have a firsthand experience with that because we can do more together than we can do by ourselves because of our unique abilities. And second, and this is very brief, we can also do more together than by ourselves because of the collective impact we have that comes from our combined effort. I just want you to watch this little clip I have from YouTube, about 30 seconds, and uh, it's about what a group of bystanders did to help somebody who was in need. Let's give this a, a try. Come on. All right, check out what some Good Samaritans did after seeing a horrible accident in Utah. A man who was on a motorcycle is under that burning car. Now watch, they get together. They pick up the car and they pull him out. Thank goodness they were there. Well, the man, oh, look at this. The man had surgery last night. He is now in stable condition, regardless of how horrific that is that you see him. The state is in there. Um, police say they're trying to track down everybody who helped so they can be recognized for their bravery. It makes you feel good about your fellow man, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? Wow. Good story. Vanessa is so thankful I sold my bike last week. I actually did. I finally sold my bike. <laughs> there you go. But in Canada, we wear helmets. That helps too. Um, but I think it's a wonderful metaphor, really, of, of how the body of Christ works. Because the reality is, none of the crowd could have picked up that car by themselves. Nobody could have pulled that person out just by themselves as they picked the car up. But look what they did as a group. And it's the same image in the body of Christ here at Glad Tidings when all of his people, to use the analogy, when we get into the game. Last week, we just we shared one part of the overall vision that we're sharing under impact. And it's an important part, an integral part to what we believe uh, God is calling us to do, to continue to make impact and continue to have a, a future of that in our community and in, in growing ministries. Uh, we talked about the fact that we feel that we need to be expanding our facilities, which right now uh, are crowded. Uh, it's it's a, quite a dysfunctional building for those who've been in, in part of our ministries or around the church any period of time. And we just need to modernize our building with uh, with the different ministry facilities and just to, to be age-appropriate for different things we have to do in these changing times as we're ministering to children. And, and, and again, some of the ministries we mentioned last week, I won't go over it again. You can listen to the tape. Um, but we have a packet that we really, really encourage you to pick up. Um, if you're part of Glad Tidings family, you're new to the church, you're welcome to pick one up. They're in the front foyer, they're in the side foyer. And uh, in that packet, you'll see an envelope, you'll see a brochure that's called Furthermore. And you'll also see a pledge card that is in there. Uh, that we're asking the church family, uh, to everybody who takes one, we're going to return it on the 25th of June, the last Sunday of June. If you're not here that Sunday, you can drop it in, you can mail it in. Uh, but on that pledge card, we're asking you uh, to let us know what you're willing to do above and beyond your regular giving to the Lord over the next three or four years. And it's been very encouraging to, to see uh, some people who are just new, been here a couple weeks, been here a couple months, whatever, who are taking that packet and who are deciding to get involved or participate in what we're doing because we care about our community and because we believe in the ministries that God has called us to do here. We believe in the stories that we see the Lord touching and changing lives. It really isn't that hard. It's really not. It's not really that complicated at all. The bottom line, as we've been saying already, is that we can do so much more together than any of us can do just by that mutual support and encouragement that we provide for one another. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. You should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. 
Do this even more as you see the day coming. That day is referring to the return of the Lord. Uh, Paul is saying, for the body of Christ who lives in the days when you see things starting to come toward an end, you need each other all the more. And I find that fascinating because we're living in a day where as these things are happening, it's kind of like the frog in the kettle. We become so acclimated to the media, to world events, we don't realize the thin bubble that we are living in that at any time could collapse, and we desperately need each other. We need to be committed. We need to belong to one another. Ironically, we're living in a day where people more and more are drifting. More and more becomes the norm. They say, well, glad tidings is my church. I only go once a month, but it's my church. I only go twice a month, but it's my church. There's just this eroding of the impact and the necessity of actually belonging and committing to a body. As Paul says, or Hebrews says, even as we move through these last days. And one of the reasons why we come together on a regular basis is so that we can encourage each other to stay on mission. Because how many find that in just the pace of life and the challenges of life, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's easy to get tied up in stuff and weeks fly by and months fly by or maybe you become discouraged by things you're going through and we get tied up and distracted by things that don't really matter. But I've found that being together and working together and giving together, when we do that, as the scripture says, it motivates us to acts of love and good works. It's like the old analogy of the, of, uh, of the, the coals on a fire. You know, you just take these coals in the fire and they're all red and they're on hot. You take one of those coals and just set it on the mantle, set it on the ledge for a couple minutes, what happens? That coal begins to grow cold, right? It begins to lose the flame. It begins to become very cold. Take it and put it back in. It begins to attract the heat again. It's the exact same reality in the body of Christ. Now, for those who aren't here, I'm not going to recap everything. I'll just give you a couple little things just so you know you're on the same page as us as we talk about this one particular issue. I mentioned last week that our goal for the church to raise over the next few years is very reasonable. I say only, but it is only uh, uh, for the total cost. We're looking at a goal of $650,000 uh, to pledge as a, as, a, as a church family over these next few years. We're going to bring our pledge in on the 25th. Uh, in your packet, you'll find a pledge card. On that pledge card, we supply four possible options for giving. One is, if you already made a pledge the year before last, because this is a continuation of that same campaign, if you already made a pledge the year before last, you can check on the first line, I'm gonna, that's my pledge, I either gave it or I'm going to complete it, I'm going to finish strong, you can write that out. Or you might say, you know what, I already fulfilled my pledge, but the Lord's been good, we have more, we're going to add a bit more. You can put in the total amount for that as well. Or you can say, you know, things have changed the opposite way, and uh, you know, we don't have the same income or whatever, so we want to modify that, we have to decrease our pledge a bit. Feel free to do that. And finally, if you weren't around with the initial campaign, you can just put on the fourth line what your pledge is for the first time. But I want you to consider this, and I know I'm kind of dragging it out right now, but I'm going to wrap up with this. Before we asked you as a church family to make a pledge to this vision, to this campaign, I went to the church staff, the pastoral staff and the church board, and I said, folks, we need to lead the way. And so I asked them to make their pledges. And as, if you read the material, you'll see that of the 650,000 goal we had, from the 12 people represented on the church board and pastoral staff, their families, uh, we have committed 120,000 toward that 650,000. And there's still some pledges to come in from those two categories. But I think that's, I think that's encouraging. Is it encouraging? Okay. Um, I think it should be. It's encouraging to me, but I hope it also motivates you uh, to join us in fulfilling this vision. And yet I want to be clear on this. The important number this morning is not 120,000. The important number is not 650,000. 
The real important number I want you to remember is the number 100. You say, what does that mean? What I mean is that if we're really going to have a sustained impact in the city that God has called us to reach, then we need 100% of people who call Glad Tidings their home church. We need 100% of people who profess that Jesus Christ is their Lord. We need 100% of people who profess that everything that we have belongs to God, and we are only stewards of that. We really need 100% participation. We need everyone to participate. Now, this morning, let me be clear. I'm just talking about one area, one small area for a couple of weeks that has to do with the mortar and you know, drywall and the practical stuff we need by way of the building. But friends, it's not just about a capital campaign. It, it can't stop there. I'm also asking you to do this. I'm asking you to renew your commitment to share your faith. It's not just about a capital campaign in the building, but it's also about a renewed passion for the lost. It's about coming before the Lord and say, Lord, help me once again to see what it means to be lost, like we were sharing earlier today. Help me to experience once again the, the joy, the amazement of what it means to be saved. Lord, help me to share my faith. It also means renewed commitment to finding a place to serve. I want to encourage you to do that this morning, friends. There is a place to serve, and I want to encourage you. It's not about just you know, throwing a few bucks in the plate. It's about saying the greatest gift God has given is me as a person, flesh and bones, a soul, emotion, love that I can give. I want to encourage you to find a place to serve. I want to encourage you to renew your commitment to use your abilities to actually make a difference. And I really want to encourage you to renew your commitment to leave margin in your life. I want to challenge you this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ to say, Lord, I want to begin to align my life. I want to begin to cut away things in my life. I want to begin to make room in my life for the Holy Spirit to work so that I can wake up in the morning and I can pray a simple prayer and just say, Father, as I move through this day, I pray that I would cross paths with somebody who needs a touch from you. I pray I would find somebody that I can be generous to financially. I pray I could find somebody who maybe just needs my time or a listening ear or needs something done from that I can show them your love. The Bible says in Corinthians, this service you do not, that you do not only helps the needs of God's people, it also brings many more thanks to God. This is not about believing in glad tidings. That's not what it is. It's really about being a people of generosity. It's really about being a people of gratitude. It's about a people who really believe that God has made everything, who really believe that Jesus has died for everyone. That's really what it's about. That's what the vision is all about. And so I want to ask you this morning to ask the Lord where there needs to be merged in your life. I want you to find a place to serve in the body. Do something. I want you to pick up a brochure when you leave here this morning. And last but not least, and I say this in great love, I want you to get into the game. Amen? Get in the game, saints. That's what it's all about. We may not have a whole lot of time before the Lord comes. We may not have a whole lot of time before all hell breaks loose, and we're living in a different world. Today is the day in which we live to get connected. Today is the day to belong. Today is the day to be a person who makes your life available to God and begins to experience the excitement of the Holy Spirit using you to touch other lives. Today's the day to do that. Amen? Will you stand with me? Do you still love me? I'm not implying that you did already, but yeah, that, that was heartwarming. Thank you. Um, amen. Amen.
Amen. I know we can talk as family, and it's all good. It's all good. It's encouraging. It excites me. All that God is doing, all we've seen, the testimonies, and there's so much more, it excites me how much more God can do if we can move from 20% to 40 to 60 to 80 to 100%. Just imagine what God will do outside of these doors, inside of these doors. I'm just going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come because we always want to give opportunity. If you're here and you want to receive prayer, you may have sickness in your body. You may need a touch from the Lord. Uh, you may not know the Lord this morning. And you say, Pastor, I didn't realize my life matters to God. It really does matter. But it begins by opening your heart to him and saying, Lord, forgive me for living life on my terms. Come, I want to discover what you've made me for. I want to live for you. I want to experience life to the full. If that's your heart's desire, as we dismiss, you feel free to come. Or somebody who maybe brought you to church this morning can bring you up. We'd love to meet you and love to pray with you. Let's give thanks to the Lord as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the church. We are the bride of Christ. I thank you the church matters. I thank you that the people, every one of us within the church, we matter. And Father, I pray as we leave this morning, though our minds and bodies may be weary, I pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the devil's lies and to realize that we can make a difference. We do matter. You have given us gifts and abilities and longings and passions, and we can serve. And that's where we experience life to overflowing that you promised, not in consuming life upon ourselves, but in life flowing through us. So I pray let your word remain in every heart and do your work through this week and continue to rise up people, O oh God, who will move powerfully in obedience to your Holy Spirit, wherever we may be, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug, a handshake on the way out.